Now, the pick. This list always has an international bent. This month is no different. Your guides today are Caitlin Byrne, who's director of the Griffith Asia Institute. Hi, Caitlin. Good morning. Great to be with you. Thank you for joining us. And Yun Zhang, who is the inaugural fellow for the Australian Institute of International Affairs and China Matters. Hi, Yun. Hello. Good morning. Listen, let's start off with what to read. Yun, I am intrigued by your choice. It sounds incredible. I just, I've got to, just got to say the title. I mean, I'm sure the translation isn't perfect, but the title um, as we've uh, been given it is The Grand Master of Demonic Cultivation which is quite, quite something. You're going to have to explain. So this is a fantasy novel, I'm guessing, Yun. Yes, it is um, in a genre called uh, both fantasy and also another genre called uh, boy love, which, which well, I will also have to explain. Um, so, so a bit of context, uh, I was asked to recommend some lighthearted literature. Um, and because I work in Australian foreign policy focused on China, so basically all my recommendation has a China angle. And this book, um, Grandmaster of Demolition Cultivation, is also known by fans as MDZS, is a book by uh, Mo, Mo Xiangtongxiu. Um, it's a boy love novel, a web novel uh, that has been adapted into a TV show called Untamed uh, that is available on Netflix. Oh wow! So Are it's we- it's morphed from a from a uh, from a book series, is it, into into a TV series? Yeah, it's a it's a web novel. How, how that works is that basically they release chapter by chapter on the internet, mm-hmm. and that has now been adapted to um, anime and now a live action TV show as well. Okay. It was published in twenty fifteen to sixteen, um, but the English version actually reached uh, the New York Times bestseller list this year. And what is it in particular that you like about this novel? Is First of all, are you a fantasy, a keen fantasy reader? Is this just your thing? Uh, I, I just like to read what, what people in China is reading, basically. And um, this is hugely wildly popular. And this genre um, called boy love is very popular among young women. So boy love genre is centred on the romantic relationship between two men but it is written by and for women. It's generally perceived as unserious because of the target demographic being young women. Mm. So so what would we learn? I mean, so I understand that your reading then has a kind of a, a cultural um, aim or a cultural purpose. You're trying to understand what it is that's going on in perhaps in modern Chinese society that makes a novel like this so popular. That, that's exactly right. For example, um, there's a lot of written about why boy love genre is so popular. It could be due to pressure on women um, be, uh, because uh, women feel like they cannot express um, their romantic feelings in the in the constrained environment in the current society. So they they um, reach out for a fantastical setting where it's um it's about two um, relationship between two two men instead. Ah, fascinating. Um. Thank you for sharing that one. Caitlin, what's on your reading list currently? Have you delved into a bit of fantasy? No, no, I haven't. And actually, before I go to that, can I just say, great to be on this show with Yun Jiang. And Yun, congratulations on your latest appointment. Fabulous news. But my Thank reading you so much. Has, 
You're welcome. My reading's actually been a little more influenced by the events of this week and in particular the passing of Madeleine Albright. So it drew me to go back to, you know, her, her first memoir, uh, Madam Secretary, that she published in 2003 and just revisit some of the stories of America's first female Secretary of State. I mean, she was really a trailblazer in many ways. And of course, that wasn't her first book. It was the first of seven. Mm. So she's been an incredibly active commentator um, in her post-diplomatic life. And she was a diarist, wasn't she? In, in the sense that she went off to these spectacularly significant historical meetings and um, you know, represented as a flag bearer, I guess, the America's interests abroad. Uh, but yes. she she wrote about it as as she went. That's right. And and you know what I think came through or comes through in that first memoir a couple of themes. First of all, I think the significance of diplomacy, not shying away from the tough issues, the tough personalities, um, and avoiding passivity at all costs. And here, I think the role of American leadership is something that plays into the narrative that she was she was developing through her time. But there are a couple of other points. One is, of course the significance of the role, the representation and the voice of women, whether you're talking about diplomacy or politics or in the classroom or in the workplace. You know, she was an absolute advocate and a champion for women. And and I think that that particular line continued right through her career. And I think it's really worth reflecting on that. And she's got a number of protégés still right through the US State Department and, and certainly within the Biden administration at the moment. There's a very good interview, I think possibly on YouTube, that Samantha Power did um, quite recently with her. And it's mm. and it is a lovely kind of moment where, you know, Samantha in a way she blazed the trail that made it possible for for Samantha Power's generation to to play the role that it has. Um, and it's it's really fantastic to see too. I mean there's a mutual admiration between them. Um, Absolutely. You know, and I think that that goes far further as well. And I think the other thing that she does for us, and, and this is why the book is so important, because it's not a vanity project. It's not a nostalgic view of memory lane, but nor is it just a focus on the pure mechanics of foreign policy and negotiation. I think she set out and she succeeded to give readers an insight into the role of the Secretary of State you know, what happened, what are the events, how are decisions made and how are they influenced by human relationships? And I think that, you know, is a, is a really distinctive character to the writing that she's then gone on to reproduce it later in her career. Mm. Um, okay, what to watch? Of course, you could go back and watch the cameo that Madeleine Albright made when she appeared in Madam Secretary, the American TV drama. If you're looking for a bit of Albright memorabilia this weekend, but um, Ewan, let's talk about what you're watching. Uh, again, a great title. B is for busy. Um, a story of our lives, I think. A rom com, <laughs> apparently, from your home city. Do explain. Yes, it's uh, called Be for Busy, also known as Myth of Love, if you can't find it under one of the titles. Uh, Chinese romantic comedy released in December last year. Unlike most romantic comedy, this one is centered around several middle-aged people. Um, a story of three women and one man. One uh, minor character that stood out to me was a coffee-drinking cobbler that likes to give out philosophical and life advice. <laughs> 
<laughs> Most of the film is in the Shanghainese dialect of Wu language because it is set in Shanghai. So Wu language is a Chinese language. It's a common perception that Chinese is one language, but it is actually a group of languages. And Mandarin is a Chinese language, and Wu is another. So Shanghainese and Mandarin, for example, are mutually unintelligible. And in the film, you see that. Uh, the middle-aged characters speak Shanghainese to each other, but then they speak to their children in Mandarin, and that's quite mm, a realistic portrayal of yeah. life in Shanghai、mm. because the new generations are no longer fluent in the local language. And what's the style of the film? Is it? I, I, I note that the、um, producer writer、um, of the story is a comic actor themselves. Is it shot like a comedy? Is it, or is it a more kind of conventional film? Uh, it's quite a conventional romantic comedy.、Uh, it, it's it doesn't talk about any serious topics. It's just, as they say,、uh, a theatre is like when three women come together.、Um, so this is basically a, a, like a love triangle, maybe a、uh, a love rectangle. <laughs> <laughs> a love rectangle. That sounds very interesting. So good.、Uh, thank you, Yun. Caitlin, what are you watching? Right. Well, I'm pivoting from women in diplomacy to women in sport for the what we're watching, and would love to recommend Power Mary. It's a, an incredibly powerful tale of a team of women, the PNG Orchids, and it really tracks, you know, from their inception as a team、uh, through to their their ambitions to be part of the rugby world. Women's World Cup, so it's a couple of years old. I will say that, but the reason I wanted to bring it up today is because this was featured, and I was lucky enough to be in Dubai at the Dubai Expo just two weeks ago, working with the Australian Pavilion on a whole program around women in sport for that week, and this was featured on the outdoor screen that that. Sits out front of the Australian Pavilion on International Women's Day, and one of the stars of the show, Kathy Neap, that some of the、uh, rugby followers in the audience might know, was there, and she delivered an introduction to the movie, and it was just so powerful. It's it's so much more than a story of sport; it is a story about women, about women who battle. Serious gender stereotypes, discrimination, and violence in their own communities, who were coming together to engage in PNG's national sport, rugby league, and really change perceptions about the role of women, not just on the sporting field,、um, but very much in communities, in families, and of course in the political sphere. So, I would absolutely recommend it. You can you can find it online, and it's worth a watch. Indeed, I think actually we've got a, we've got the trailer that we can play for you just to give you a bit of a sense of the. Flavor of、uh, of the film. So this is、uh, a trailer from Power Mary. A national women's rugby league team is being formed. They'll be known as the PNG Orchids. Two months to get a team ready for a World Cup is is not a lot of time. We know how to play rugby league. Let's do it. Just playing together for a few months. If we can put up a good fight against some team that's played for years, it says in itself how far we can go. All right. So, given all that watching and reading, you now have to catch up on.、Uh, if there's time,、uh, what should you be listening to?、Uh, Yun, you're a fan of a podcast called China Stories, is that right? Yes, a podcast called China Stories by SubChina. It is an audio narration of a variety of articles and op-eds published on China.、It、includes all aspects of China, such as you know history, human rights, and politics. 
But I'm actually most interested in the culture aspect. So popular culture, youth culture, partly due to the difficulties experienced by foreign correspondents in China, there is a shortage of Western reporting on what's actually happening inside China, particularly what ordinary people are thinking and doing. And I mm-hmm. think um, this podcast series um, filled that gap a little bit. And and is that easy to access, you and that one, China Stories? Yes, yes, definitely. Uh, it is in English and you can find it on the uh uh, all the podcast platforms. platforms right. um, so I give example, for example, we, we, before we were talking about web novels, how web novels work. So there are stories about how they actually work, where, you know, um, the authors release chapters by chapter as they write rather than um, release a book once they're finished. That could be a trend for future literature publishing. And mm-hmm. there's another one on um, e-commerce through live streaming, which is increasingly how people shop in China. Okay, that sounds like a, a fascinating one to get into. Caitlin, uh, I, I, this makes me laugh. The, these are heavy times indeed, but maybe they do call for a few meditation podcasts. Is that is that your preferred genre currently? I think I've been dipping randomly into meditation podcasts just to, you know, get my head clear in this crazy world that we seem to be living in. But I do have a more serious recommendation, and that is around the New Book Network. It's like a huge online library of podcasts of new books. Um, I would recommend the New Books in Southeast Asian Studies. For all of you who love, you know, exploring our region, um, this is a podcast that the Griffith Asia Institute supports. But it's just a fantastic way of getting into some really in-depth depth topics, but hearing those topics from the author, how they got interested in it, how they went about their research, what are the theories they're pushing forward. So can I recommend that one as something that will also take your mind off, you know, potentially the the, the turmoils of our contemporary news. And is there are there any is there any particular meditation podcast that's working for you that's giving you a oh, lot of zen at the moment? Okay, well, I would go for mindful meditation. That's my favourite, and okay. there are a lot of helps you sleep, helps you help you focus. Um, that's my tip. I did have a meditation uh, app on my phone in a particularly very busy uh, moment of my life, and I would. Uh, try to listen to it at the same time each day, which is, of course, what you're meant to do. And then I'd feel myself getting stressed just before I was meant to live it, to, to listen to it because I couldn't find my phone. And I realised oh, that this was absolutely right. counterproductive. <laughs> but listen, you thank, you, sure thank you so much. There are lots of really great ideas there, um, you know, both some of them interesting intellectual journeys, some of them fantastical. So I'd encourage you to... Um, to pull up some of those options uh, from Caitlin and Yun. Thank you both for joining us. Oh, thank, thank you. you for having me. Thanks. So Thanks, I've, added, I've definitely added some of those to my list. It's always great to get something out of your usual consumption habits, isn't it? Caitlin Byrne is director of the Griffith Asia Institute and Yun Zhang is the inaugural Australian Institute of International Affairs and China Matters Fellow. Thanks to our team, Sky Doherty, Belinda Summer, Lisa Needham and Lara Heaton. Geraldine Duke will be back in the chair next week. I'm Kylie Morris. Thanks for your company.